Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Before we get into the message today, I just want to say welcome. So glad you are here today. I see some people here for the first time. So grateful that you came to join us here on Easter. And if you don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. And the bottom line is we want to equip you to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Anybody want to make a difference for the kingdom of God? I know you all want to go to heaven, but does anybody want to take some people with them? That's why we're coming here, to get equipped so we can take people with us. So we've been in a series on miracles, and I had planned to bring you the final message last Sunday, but my pregnant wife went into labor the day before and messed the whole thing up. So less than an hour after we got to the birthing center last Saturday, our second son was born. Yeah. Our fifth healthy kid. It's just incredible. He's perfect in every way. His name's Daniel Cade. And um, he's the fifth baby that my wife has birthed in six years. Superwoman. I mean, wow. You're blessed, though. You blessed woman. And we are blessed. There is nothing that declares the goodness of God like children. They're such a blessing. We haven't been getting much sleep, but we're doing good. And we're pumped to be here with you today. So I was going to bring you this message last Sunday, but you're getting it today, and it's really perfect, because when I was preparing this message two weeks ago, I was like, man, that'd be a great Easter message. Too bad it's happening this week, and then, you know, God played it out, and he made sure that it happened when it was supposed to happen. So we're in the beginning stages of an incredible move of God, and our job right now is to prepare for mind-blowing miracles. And we're a church that's positioned and ready for the revival that's actually already taking place. We're not waiting for it to begin. It's already begun. I mean, we've witnessed the gifts of the Spirit at work Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and that's only going to intensify into mighty miracles of God. So if you're coming here expecting just like a casual church service where everything's just kind of normal and you don't experience anything spiritual or kind of weird, you've come to the wrong place because we welcome the gifts of the Spirit here. And if you're not used to that, you might find it a little weird today, but I can tell you God's going to move anyway. I know at the end of this message, he's got something planned. It's going to blow our minds. It's going to be incredible. So you might as well just sit back and enjoy the ride because it's going to be some good stuff. So each week during this series, I've been sharing a true story from the Azusa Street Revival to help stir up your faith. And this incredible revival took place in 1906 in Los Angeles, California. And let me tell you, if a revival can take place there, it can take place here in Owasso, Oklahoma. But amazing miracles were released every single day for three and a half years during that revival. There was a woman who came into the meeting one day who could hardly breathe, and she looked like a skeleton. She only lived about two miles from Azusa, but it took her about three hours to walk there. She literally took one baby step at a time, sticking her cane out in front of her, coming up to the cane, all the way to the Azusa Street Revival. And she came in, and she looked around as if she were studying the room, and at some point, her eyes met a woman named Laura, and she said, that's the woman I want to pray for me. And Sister Laura walked over to her and said, what can I do for you? And the next words that the woman spoke were kind of haunting, because she said, I won't live long enough, or I won't live through the night if God doesn't heal me today. I'll die. Can you imagine if somebody came up to you and that was their report? The doctors say my lungs are ate up with cancer and I can hardly breathe. I've been losing weight for about a year. So this dear, feeble, elderly woman weighed about 65 pounds and she stood five feet, six inches tall. 
She was nothing but bones. Sister Laura laid hands on her and prayed for her, and immediately she was able to breathe normally. Immediately. And in the next three hours, she gained a remarkable 40 pounds while she was there in the meeting. She ate nothing during that time. She just breathed in the glory of God, which was tangible. They could see it. And she said, my lungs are not hurting. I can breathe like I could when I was young. And soon after, this lady visited her doctor. And whenever she went into the office, he asked her to fill out the form for first-time patients. He didn't recognize her. Couldn't believe she was the same person. And after running tests and checking her out, he told her her insides were just like new, lungs and all. And in amazement, he told her, there is no way you could have gained that much weight since the last time I saw you. It's impossible. And after he found out that this healing took place at Azusa, the doctor started going to those services with her. And in a few months, he was no longer practicing traditional medicine because he founded Wings of Healing where he experienced miracles galore. And I share these stories with you because in 1910, it was prophesied that in about 100 years, we would see another revival like Azusa Street. Only this time, it would not be in one place. It would be all over the world. And this revival would not be with just one person or with just pastors. It will be with everybody in the body of Christ. And this time, the revival will not end until the Lord returns. Anybody ready for that second coming? I got to stop here and just tell you a story real quick. The day of Daniel's birth, I was in my morning quiet time that morning, and I was just having this this deeper revelation of the second coming of Christ that I've never had. Like, it was just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, I was reading, and, and Jesus just like, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. I was, up, I was up in my office in tears, just like, yes, he's coming soon. And, and then, you know, just a few hours later, Beth and I are in the car, and we're headed, and she's over there having contractions. Ooh, you know, as it goes on. And, and we, so I turn on this song to kind of distract her, and... and uh, the, the presence of God filled our car. And I had that same experience. He said, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. And as I was driving, I was having these visions as if he could just come and like take us out of the car right then to meet him in the heavens. And tears are rolling down my face and I'm trying to keep him out because I'm driving. I'm like, I got to get her to the midwife. I gotta, we got to get there because she's having a contraction like every two to three minutes. And clearly we needed to get there because, you know, less than an hour after we got there, she had the baby. But she was over there crying too. I mean, just the presence of God was just... Is so strong. Y'all, I want to tell you something. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And you should be expecting it. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But we have a part to play in him coming back because the gospel has to be preached to the whole world. So he's waiting on us. We hadn't been waiting on him. Ooh, I'm excited. But who wants to be a part of these amazing miracles of God in this end time revival? Because if you came here to No Limits, you have no choice but to be a part of it because <laughs> we're going to welcome it here. So today we're going to do our last little bit of cleanup to get ourselves ready to receive. Let's start by taking another look at our core scripture for this series. And it's found in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus said to the disciples, and he's saying this to you. Jesus is saying this to you, have faith in God. Because I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you've received it, it'll be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. In this short lesson from Jesus, we learn four things that determine our ability to receive miracles from God. Number one, have faith in God. Number two, speak your faith. Number three, remove the doubt. And number four, forgive others. So in the first week of this series, we talked about faith. 
And we found out that faith is confidence in God's word. So if you're having a hard time understanding, well, what is faith exactly? That's what it is. You got confidence in what God said in the Bible. And the way we build this confidence is by hearing the word of God over and over and over. You are building your faith right now. Faith is why we praise God even when we don't feel like it. Did anybody have to do that this morning? Praise or faith is why we give even when it's inconvenient. Faith is why we trust God, even when we don't understand what's going on. Faith, it's what enables you to stay at peace in the gap between when you release your faith and you actually see the result of what you release. You stay at peace. Faith enables you to do that because you know the result is coming, just like you know that Amazon order is coming when you press buy now. Please, for heaven's sake, don't have more faith in Amazon than you have in God. In part two, we talked about speaking faith. And in order to see the results of what we speak, we must actually believe what we're speaking. Most of us start speaking faith by reciting a scripture that we hope is true. We hope this is true. And and that's a great place to start. It really is. But to see the results of it, you have to actually believe what you are saying. And this unwavering belief only comes from hearing God's word. Faith doesn't come because of what you heard last year. It comes because you are hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And then in part three, we talked about removing doubt because we tend to step out in faith and believe God for a miracle and then immediately get overcome with doubt as if it gets dumped on us and we can't control it. We remember the last time we prayed and it didn't work. Or we wonder if healing is even God's will. Doubt is the biggest culprit why we don't see the miracles of God and the promises of God evident in our lives. God always answers your prayer, but many times you negate it by welcoming in the doubt. Once again, most doubt is overcome by hearing the word of God over and over. But when doubt is caused by your circumstances, the Bible teaches us that you also need to include prayer and fasting. And did you all know that's not to convince God, it's to get yourself prepared. It's not like you're trying to earn the miracle. Please don't get into that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I've never told you guys that you have to do something to earn something from God. But we do have to prepare ourselves to receive from God. For example, if you pray for someone to be healed and they end up dying, that circumstance is going to make you think, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And if you've been sick for years, your circumstance is going to make you think, well, apparently God doesn't want to heal me. You overcome this kind of doubt with prayer and fasting. And the reason it works this way is because prayer moves you closer to God and further away from your circumstance, right? And then fasting helps us remember that our bodies do not get the last word. God gets the last word. God, tell your body to shut up. So when symptoms show up again, you laugh because you know God's word prevails over sickness. If you've been in church for long, you already know it's important to hear the word of God. You already know you should be praying regularly. You already know about fasting. Well, you know about it, right? (laughs) To see the promises of God come alive in your life, it's really simple. You spend time with God instead of spending time with the world. Instead of watching reality TV, turn on a message that's going to feed your spirit. Instead of opening Facebook, open your Bible. Easy stuff, y'all. We just have to do it. Like I said, it's not that you're trying to earn something from God because you can't do that. All this is just how you become more aware of God and less controlled by the world. Shut out the world. Open yourself to God. Satan knows this is simple for us, and that's why he works so hard to distract you. And the question is, are you going to resist the devil? Are you going to resist him? Are you going to give in? Are you going to give in to the distractions of life and forfeit the promises of God? That's a choice we all get to make. That's not a very fun discussion. You guys don't look very pleased with me right now. So let's move on to the message for today. We've talked about faith, speaking faith, removing doubt. Now it's time to talk about forgiveness. 
That's so much better than what I just talked about. Awesome. But hang with me. This message is going to help you because, y'all, forgiveness unleashes miracles. When it comes to the lack of seeing miracles or God's promises in our life, the main culprit is doubt, which we talked about two weeks ago, but it's not the only culprit. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Over and over in the Bible, you're going to find out that forgiveness is a big deal to God. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be forgiven. But he also wants you to walk in a constant state of forgiveness towards others. Why? Because we get an opportunity almost every single day to forgive others. Every single day. I mean, people are just mean. They give you weird looks. They gossip about you. They even assume things about you that aren't even true. Even your spouse will do these things. I'm not, like, telling on you, babe. I, I do it to you, too. I'm just saying. It can happen anywhere. Most of the time, we're able to forgive within a few hours or, you know, at least a few days. But sometimes we hold grudges for a long time. Any grudge holder? Don't raise your hand. I want to walk you through the progression that gets you to a place of long-term unforgiveness because this is the kind of stuff that Jesus was talking about. Because you know, notice that he said you got to forgive others that you're holding a grudge against. This is long-term unforgiveness. We don't just need to forgive the small stuff. We need to forgive the big stuff. And here's how it all starts. It starts with distance. In every conflict, whether it be between you and a friend or you and a church you used to go to or you and your liberal relative or your conservative relative, begins with something that creates distance. And not all distance is created by conflict. Sometimes it's created by neglect. You just, you, you, don't, you don't invest time into the relationship, and so there's distance. And that's where it all starts. Something creates distance, and you shut the other person out. Things are still calm. Nobody's throwing fists yet. There's just distance. You're separate from each other. The separation still hurts, though, so here's what you do next. You build some walls to protect yourself. And some of you ladies build more than a wall. You build a castle with a moat around it. And the drawbridge is always pulled up, and it is full of crocodiles. We build these walls to keep the bad people out. The problem is it also keeps the good people out. And sometimes it even keeps God out. You become so protective of your heart and emotions that nobody can touch you ever again. No one, not even God. And if we don't deal with it at this point, here's what happens next. It escalates. The problem grows. It becomes much bigger than it really is. It's no longer about what he said to you yesterday. It's what he said to you the last 20 years. And this part of the process is where your tongue gets out of control. You start to say things that you wouldn't normally say you become mean, and you look for anything that you can say to hurt the other person. And at this point, it becomes most dangerous because it's when the enemy gets involved and you start to believe lies. You believe that they meant to hurt you. You start to paint this terrible picture of the other person that is full of lies. This happens all the time. You think the pastor is out to get your money because he's encouraging you to give. You think your spouse is cheating on you because they didn't want to have sex with you last night. Lies, lies, lies. You think you're going to get fired because your boss corrected you. You think that God's mad at you because you're dealing with some kind of sickness or some kind of challenge in your life. And on and on and on. The, the enemy feeds us these lies, and we latch on to them like their ultimate truth. And we don't even let another person tell us the truth because they're probably just lying to us to get us to calm down. 
And at this point, you find yourself in the last stage of conflict, and this is the place that most people struggle to escape. It's hostility. And the saddest part about this stage is that you don't even remember how the conflict started. You don't even remember. The only reason you got here is because you believe the lies that the enemy planted in your mind. And usually you won't listen to anybody else. People come in and they try to help you see the truth and you dismiss them because they don't know the full picture. They don't know how bad that they hurt you. They don't know. And when you get to a place of hostility, it's no longer about you and the other person. It's about what's going on in you, in your soul. You've allowed yourself to get messed up. You don't, need to, you don't need them to apologize to move past this. You need God to come and heal your heart to move past this. It doesn't matter who started it. The only person you're responsible for is you. Can you see now why forgiveness is a requirement to walk in the promises of God and to see miracles? I mean, when you're in a place of unforgiveness, there's no way you're walking by faith. You have given Satan too much control in your life. And when you're in a place of unforgiveness... Just a sad place to be, isn't it? And the reason I want to take you through this progression of unforgiveness is because you went through the same progression leading into your relationship with Christ. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Anybody remember those days? Oh, man. Distance. Distance from God. That's where we all started. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. We caused the separation, yet Jesus is the one who brought us back to God. Marinate on that for a minute. It's not fair. You didn't deserve that, yet Jesus did it anyway. Wow. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You built the wall. You escalated your hostility to God through your own behaviors. You believed lie upon lie. You believed that God was punishing you. You thought he didn't love you. You thought that it was his fault. And what did Jesus do? He came in and he broke down that wall of hostility that you built. He set you free. He restored your relationship with God. And that's what Easter is all about. Jesus is our example of forgiveness. We're not just, we are to forgive everyone, especially those who don't deserve it. Let me show you. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is our assignment. Get rid of it. Get rid of all the unforgiveness and everything that comes with it. And don't just do that, but be kind to each other. Sometimes we believe that it's okay to forgive somebody and continue to live with a wall up. Well, you're wrong. Scripture doesn't teach us that. You're missing a part of the equation. Don't just forgive them. Be kind to them. Oh, y'all like that. All right. I know it seems impossible, and it is impossible without faith. That's why this verse says to forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In Jesus Christ is where you obtain the power to forgive. You can't muster it up on your own. Let me put it to you this way. You will not succeed in forgiving others until you fully realize the forgiveness that's been given to you in Christ. So let me make this practical for you. There are three simple steps you need to take to get to a place of forgiveness, and it all starts with receiving God's forgiveness. You're probably thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. 
We've already done that. Okay, that's a simple step. What's the next step? But can I propose to you that many Christians know about God's forgiveness, but they have yet to receive God's forgiveness? The reason I know this is because I hear from people all the time who think they don't deserve anything from God because of their past. Or they think that they, they deserve the sickness or the hardship that they're dealing with because of their past. When you truly receive God's forgiveness, you don't think like that anymore. You don't give power to your past because, well, Jesus done wiped it away. Why would I continue to think about it? And when I mess up again, Jesus provided forgiveness for that too. <laughs> My job is simply to receive forgiveness, turn back towards God and move on. No regrets, just repent and move forward. And now that I've explained it, have you really received God's forgiveness? Have you really? Because God's trying to hand you the gift. You just have to reach out and take it. And the Apostle Paul understood this. This is a guy who hated Christians so much that he had them killed. That was his purpose in life. He wanted to kill Christians. And if I were Paul, I'd have a hard time receiving God's forgiveness for killing God's people. But Paul didn't waste time in regret because he had a full revelation of what it meant to receive God's forgiveness. Take a look at this. This is what Paul said. This is a trustworthy saying, and everybody should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience to even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. If God can fully forgive Paul for killing Christians, surely he can forgive you. And God is eager for you to receive his forgiveness. I'll show it to you in his own words. In Isaiah, he says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. This is God's invitation to you. He says, come now, let's do this right now. Let's settle this once and for all. Quit trying to earn it. Quit trying to think that you can do enough good things to outdo the bad things that you've done. Just receive the forgiveness that God has given to you in Christ. So I want to pause right now and give you the opportunity to do that. God is holding out his gift of forgiveness right now. And you receive it by believing in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in here who needs to receive that forgiveness today? Maybe you've known about it, and you're going to receive it today. Maybe you've never heard of it. Today's your first time hearing about it, and you're going to receive it today. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Today's the day to receive God's forgiveness. So if you want to receive it, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and just stand up and receive that gift. Is there anybody here today who wants to receive God's gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? You want to receive God's gift of forgiveness? Don't let this moment pass you by. There's somebody else in the room, and I'm not going to rush past this moment. God is holding out his gift of forgiveness, and he's saying, please, take it. Quit living in your shame and quit living in your regret. Receive my forgiveness and walk free today. Anybody else, stand up. Greg, I want you to just hold out your hands in front of you and receive that gift. Complete forgiveness from everything. There's, no, there's nothing that's not forgiven. It's all forgiven. 
And now everybody in here that believes in Jesus, I want you to stand up with him right now. You know, in Romans chapter 10, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that he raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. So since you're standing, it shows me that you believe in Jesus. So now let's deal with confessing the Lord Jesus. So on the count of three, let's just all shout together, Jesus is Lord. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Y'all, we're saved. You don't have to worry about what you've done in the past. You don't have to worry about anything. You are saved and you are going to heaven. Do not let anybody, anything, any lie that the enemy tries to put in your mind that tells you you're not saved. Don't allow any of that in because you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and sit down for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Got to put on that helmet of salvation. So this is the first reason that many people struggle to forgive others. They have yet to receive God's forgiveness. Like if you spend your entire life trying to earn God's forgiveness, and you're going to expect everybody else to earn yours. But when you receive the gift of forgiveness like you did today, you'll be able to offer that same gift to others. And that's why the second step is this, freely give what you have received. Now that you fully received forgiveness from God, even though you didn't deserve it, you now have the capacity to forgive others. If you've received God's forgiveness through Christ, which you all stood up and showed that you did, that means you have the capacity to forgive others on the inside of you. God doesn't expect you to forgive on your own. He set the example for you. He gave you the gift of forgiveness, and now you have the power that you need to forgive others. And that's why Jesus gives us this command in Matthew chapter 10. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. God does not expect us to give anything that we have not received from him. Isn't that cool? He gives forgiveness to you so that you can forgive others. And since we're in a series about miracles, I don't want to pass over what this verse just said. He gives you healing freely so that you can give healing to others. We can't go out and heal the sick until we've received healing ourselves. God's not withholding from you. He's not using sickness to try to teach you something. It's not his plan for you to have some kind of physical ailment. I'm going to say that again because we got to penetrate that. God is not withholding healing from you. He is not using sickness to teach you something. He, it is not his plan for you to have some kind of physical ailment in your life. It is not his plan. God wants you well. He wants you healed. He wants you whole. Healing is for you. It's God's gift to you. He's holding it out and he's waiting you for, for you to take that gift that belongs to you. God freely gives healing. He freely gives forgiveness. He freely provides for all of our needs. And he does this because... He loves you. That's why. There's no ulterior motive. He loves you. He wants you to have all these good things, all these good gifts. And he loves everybody around you. And that's why you have to freely give what he has given to you. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all of this is a gift from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. It's our task. It's our mission to give others what God has given us. So don't miss this. God works through people. God works through people. So if you've been trying to receive healing by yourself, that may be why it's not working. His promise, he gets his promises to us through each other. That's going to have to soak for a minute. God's design is not some kind of solo faith journey. 
He's not looking for super Christians who believe everything they need for themselves. He designed it so that we receive his promises through each other. And here we are at a, at a place where we struggle to come to the altar because we think we can just handle this ourselves when we get home. We don't even ask each other for prayer anymore, which is a direct violation of Scripture, by the way. Take a look in James 5.14. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. He's talking to the church here. What are you supposed to do when you're sick? Come to church, tell everybody you're fine, and go pray by yourself later. That's where we're at, and y'all know it's true. But that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to call those who you know believe God's word and ask them to pray over you and anoint you with oil. Somehow we've gotten caught up in this solo faith journey thing, and we need to get out of it. You don't have to believe by yourself. You don't have to hide when you're struggling. God designed this so that we receive his promises through each other. We can't do this by ourselves. You've been trying and it ain't working and it'll never work because that's not how God designed it. And for some of you, that just caused a major shift in your thinking. You're like, whoa, what am I going to do with that? But you can thank God for that. That's his word to you. Receive it and make an adjustment. So receive God's forgiveness in its entirety so you can freely forgive others. And once you get to that point, here's what you do next. (laughs) You forgive first. Take the initiative. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't wait for us to apologize before he forgave us? He'd still be waiting. (laughs) He'd still be waiting. But no, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. God forgave us when we didn't even ask for it. When we had no intention of changing, Jesus gave up his life to save us. He did this to restore your relationship with God, and he also did it as an example. If we're going to forgive like Jesus forgives, we forgive first. We take the initiative. Even when they don't deserve it, we forgive first. Even when they're the ones who caused the conflict, we forgive first. Because that's who we are. We're following Jesus. And when you forgive first, there's a promise. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, and reap a harvest of righteousness. And the word righteousness is kind of a churchy word, so let me explain it to you. Righteousness is when you become who you really are. It's when you think like God thinks, you act like God acts, and you're fully living the abundant life that God planned for you. That's what a a harvest of righteousness looks like. So what this verse is saying is that when you forgive first, when you are the one who initiates peace, you're going to find yourself living in the promises of God. So what I'm about to ask you to do next is going to take this message today from a really good idea to something real in your life. You've been moved today by the word of God and you're ready to act. And throughout this message today, you've probably been reminded of some people that you've been holding a grudge against. So here's what you need to do next. I want you to pull out your phone. I want you to open up the notes app or whatever app you use to write things down. And I want you to write down the person or the people that you've decided to forgive today. Let's go ahead and cue up that altar music. I'm going to give you guys just a minute to do that. Go ahead and pull out your phone and make that list of the people that you've decided to forgive today. And this isn't a time to be embarrassed. It's a time to receive freedom. 
I know these moments like this can be kind of embarrassing. It's like, oh man, I came to church and I found out I have somebody to forgive. Don't let that embarrassment keep you from walking away with freedom today. Just move past the embarrassment, receive freedom, pull out your phone, write those names down. Some of you guys need to write your own name down. I just heard that from the Holy Spirit. Write your own name down if you need to. somebody in here is thinking right now that I can't believe I did that. I I said I'd never do that and I can't go back and I can't fix it and I can't change it. I can't forgive myself for that because I really messed up. Write your name down. Today's the day to forgive yourself. Just as Christ has forgiven you, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And some of you were here a couple years ago when I asked you to do the same thing. So you know what's next. Sometime this afternoon, pick up the phone and call every person on your list. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. Just call them and say something like, I was wrong in holding a grudge against you. I just want you to know that I love you that I no longer hold anything against you. And at that point in the conversation, there's going to be this very quiet pause. And it'll get a little awkward. (laughs) And you can just interrupt the awkward moment and say, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later. Click. Right? Okay. (laughs) I know this is going to be hard for you. And uh, you might be upset with me right now for asking you to do this. So you can start your process by coming up to me after service and pretend you're having a phone call with me and say, Kate, I'm not holding a grudge against you for asking you to, asking me to do this. But seriously, though, take a bold and courageous step today and make a call this afternoon. Freedom is just going to sweep over you whenever you do. You'll probably end up in tears because you feel so free. And you know what? There may be somebody on your list who is no longer here. They've passed away. And I know you can't call them. So you can just go home and in prayer, get with God, and you forgive that person. Just because they're gone and they can't hear you say the words doesn't mean you can't step into that forgiveness and that freedom. You can do that today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. 
And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.